The title of my message is uh, Our Mission, Advancing the Kingdom, which is um, when it's our mission, our meaning us, the body of Christ, the church. That's our mission, is um, advancing the kingdom. And the kingdom, we know who's on the throne of the kingdom. There's our God is on the, on the throne. And uh, that's pretty much our mission. So um, what I really like about worship today is that, you know, everything just keeps on speaking into the realities of God and what we're here for. And, you know, peace, peace comes through the kingdom, you know. So this isn't a kingdom of, like, non-peace. This is a kingdom of peace. What else do we speak about? We spoke about hallelujah. So this is a kingdom of worship. How awesome is that? Uh, there was another, um, what did I get the other one? Oh, the blood of Jesus. I mean, that's, that's, that's what makes the body of Christ. That's what connects me to, to someone in Philippines. That's what connects me to someone in Japan. It's what connects every single one of us here. A body, a body's life comes through its blood. And um, every cell in the body is fed either directly or indirectly by blood. And us, Christ's body, it's Jesus' blood. And what is, what is Jesus' blood? Jesus' blood is the thing that removed death or the curse from us and the thing that gives us life. So that's, we're, all, we're all here alive. <laughs> it's awesome. And it's all because of Jesus' blood. So our mission, advance the kingdom. Um, I better have a look at my notes. So yeah, Jesus was really into the kingdom. He uh, he talked about it heaps, preached about it heaps. It's actually quite hard to describe the kingdom. He often says the kingdom's like something. The kingdom's like something because how do you describe the kingdom? I mean, uh, you know, there's a whole book called Revelation, and it's got all these. You know, it's the revelation of Jesus, and um, this is just the guy sitting on you know the Father um, or the the Lion of Judah sitting on the throne, and, and Jesus the Lamb at the right hand of the Father. And how do you describe all that? Well, read the book of Revelation, and it, it's just undescribable, the amount of stuff that's going on there. So uh, what I'd like to do today is pretty much address kind of three questions. Okay, so what is the kingdom? It's fairly basic. Most of us um, look like there's no visitors here today. So, uh, so that makes it easy for me because we're just a family. And I know that you've all been to church heaps, so that's good. <laughs> so you know what the kingdom is. Um, the kingdom of God, that's what it is. Um, and then we're going to ask, okay, so what are we, Nations Church, doing to advance the kingdom? So where are we at right now? You know, let's take, it's the beginning of the year. We're about to project into a new year. And um, before we move forward, advancing the kingdom, how about we just take a quick, overview of where we're at right now, what we're doing, what, what's been happening. And then also let's address another question of what can we do to further advance the kingdom? How can we move forward? How can we do a better job of what we're doing right now? Sound good? Heaps of feedback. I love it. It's awesome. Um, all right. So let's have a quick look here. So we need to be functioning as a really good, strong body. Um, in our church, we have a mission. Well, actually, the church as a whole has a mission. And the church mission is threefold. It is evangelism. So that means it, it means going into the world. And it's also worship, which means connecting with God. And it's also looking after the body or building up the body. So that's 
looking after us inside the walls or inside the kingdom or the people of God. So that's the threefold mission of the church. Now, we've got at Nations here, our mission statement is that we would go and make disciples of all nations. So this church is really into discipleship. It's really into making disciples. It's really into growing people to be going people. That's, that's kind of the ethos or the, the, the focus of this church. So if you kind of break down, okay, what is a disciple? If you, if you look at the life of a disciple, maybe there's, I'll just use it for a tool. It's, it's not completely um, locked to this, but the disciple first is a seeker. You know, you look at the, um, the, the, Jesus' first disciples. They were hanging out with John the Baptist, and when John said, hey, that's the Messiah, that's the Christ, they were into it. They were seeking. They were wanting the Messiah. They were wanting the Christ. So a disciple is a seeker, and also a disciple is a grower. The disciple learns. He grows or she grows, and also a disciple is a server. As you become more connected with Jesus and you see his plans, you actually serve, and, and serving is like serving the body of Christ, serving, like serving us, building up the church. And then also a disciple is a goer. So he doesn't just, or she doesn't just keep it inside this wall, just focus on us. Actually, we go out into the world. And that's what Jesus' disciples were about. They were about seeking, they were about growing, they were about serving, and they were about going. Now, here at Nations Church, we're doing awesome. This is a great church. I love this church. There's life here and and, and there's movement, and there's lots happening. So um, let's just have a quick look at what we've... Um, if, if I've missed anything, forgive me, and, um, and also the team, because this isn't my work. This is a, um, a, a group of people in the, in the church, which um, they'll get acknowledged another time. But just as a tool today, if you want to pull that up, Sherman, if you look at, okay, we've got seek, we've got grow, we've got serve, you've got go. So... For seek, what are people seeking? What is a disciple seeking? So do you want to pull the next part up, Sherman? So people are seeking meaning. People are seeking community. People are seeking Jesus. Um, under grow, we've got people are wanting to grow personally. A disciple wants to grow personally. A disciple wants to grow spiritually. Serve. What do, I mean, the benefits of serving is that you discover your purpose. You, you, you get released. You know, it's like you, you've been given a, a position, so go for it. Make the most of it. And, and you kind of grow with that whole thing. Serving is just an extension of growing, you know. And then build. The other thing is you're actually building the church, the, the kingdom of God. So, I mean, what an, what an honor to do that. And then go. Go is like about advancing the kingdom, like beyond the walls. Go is about connecting with the community. You know, connecting with the people that aren't connected with God. I mean, in the beginning, in in Genesis, oh, sorry, yeah, in Genesis, in um, the Garden of Eden, what was man? Man was connected with God, and what happened in the fall? He became, or she, both he and she became disconnected with God, and so what is go? Go is about connecting. We are already connected. We're blessed. But there's more to be done. God's made the, uh, the redemption plan. That was Jesus. He's done. Jesus finished it 2,000 years ago. His job's done. 
Now it's the church's job to go and continue that connection, God connecting to people and impact. Absolutely. If you were the world and someone connected to you, if you were disconnected and, and then you became connected to God, boom, you've been impacted. So that's, that's kind of the seek, grow, serve, go overview. These, this is what we're doing in the church at the moment. So for people that are seeking, we've got church services, 10 a.m. We've got connect groups. We've got golden age, so of a certain age, the, the, the wise age. We've got uh, music and movement for, for the baby age. Uh, we've got youth for the youth age. And we've also got events. So, you know, we put things on in the community, and that's a way that when people are seeking, they can find God. They can find the church. They can find connection with family, with the church body. Okay, and grow. We've got a whole lot of things here. I mean, I've been here at Nations Church for 10 years, and I've done uh, marriage courses because I got married here. Yes. I've done... um, what else have I done? I've done some discipleship courses. I've done some like 101 Christianity kind of courses. And all these things have really helped me to develop and grow. I've done some young leadership courses. And so these are the things. And without those courses, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't have grown as much. And you might look at me and go, oh, well, that doesn't say much. But, um, <laughs> but, um, but hey, I'm a lot better than 10 years ago. <laughs> um, so we've got Holy Spirit courses, Search for Life courses, marriage courses, life skill courses, leadership um, courses. We've got vis- uh, visiting prophetic people who, you know, we know that that builds up the church here, and Seven Ups courses. So if you weren't aware of this, we've actually got quite a lot of stuff. If you want to grow, if you, if you desire to grab hold of something in this church, there's stuff running here, and grab hold of it. Um, serve. Now, yeah, like I said, if you want purpose, if you feel like, hey, I'm ready to go, I'm, I'm on the ground running, and, uh, and I need a project, I need a thing to do, we've got it happening here already inside the church. You can see worship. I mean, don't they do an awesome job? They do an awesome job. Like, I, I really think that, that the worship team here at this church is a really good reflection of, of like, the church body working together. You can see that they, um, you can see that there's discipleship happening in that group. You know, you can see that there's connection in that group, there's support, but also they're worshiping God, which is great. But yeah, just that team is awesome to see. Um, Hospitality, ushers, youth leaders, kids leaders, um, you know, prayer meetings. Hey, we all know that that is really, really important. Connect group leaders, pastoral care, and security. I mean, a lot of these things are really important in the church. They're happening in this church, and if you want to get involved, jump in with two feet. Go for it. Um, but that's what's happening already. And advancing, as in um, connecting and impacting, going into the community, you can see we've got Golden Age, which um, connects with the community. There are lots of people at Golden Age that don't go to church. Lots of people, you know, that's our church going into the community. Um, Same with music and uh, movement. 
that's our church going into the community. There's people there that don't go to church, but they're getting connected, they're getting a touch from this church, from this body. Uh, Christmas at Bathgate, Women's Refuge, um, yeah. The one down the bottom, I'll point that out, um, supporting current missionaries. Look, this church is having an effect in Pakistan. It's having an effect in um, um, people from Pakistan and England. You know, it's having an effect in Africa. It's having an effect in the Philippines. Supporting our current missionaries is having an effect, is going out, is this church going out. So there's plenty we can do. There's plenty we are doing already. So that's really cool. Now, how about, um, okay, so there's a kingdom. There's a kingdom of God. We're into advancing it. Does that imply that there's another kingdom that we're pushing back? Yes, it does. And um, I'm really, really thankful that I have one of our awesome youth to um, give us a word this morning. Look, you have to just, I asked her just before the service if she would read this. And she said yes, so I just am so thankful. Come on here, um, Serenity Grace. Okay, so I'm saying Second Kings 6, 8 to 17. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel, and he, cons he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of is Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful that not just once or twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of the us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words, And you speak in your bedroom. So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told to him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man, God, arose early and went out there, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses, chariots of fire all around Elisha. That was awesome. Thank you, Cyprianity Grace. That was so good. Now, um, how cool is that story? So you've got this kingdom, Syria, the king of Syria, and um, he's making war with God's people, Israel. And um, every time that he, he plans this, 
this thing against them and gets his people, okay, we're going to go here, and we're going to fight them here. And then uh, the man of God gets, gets a word from God, and he knows exactly where it is. So he tells the king of Israel to go there. And so the two, ba- the two meet, and it's like, oh, we haven't, we haven't um, deceived them. They know exactly our plan. And, he's, and the king of Syria is angry. He's like, why does this happen? It didn't happen once. It didn't happen twice. It happened many, many times. And he's like, there's someone in my camp that's a spy. There's someone here that's telling the other team, the other the opposition, the other kingdom, what's going on. And, um, and one of his servants say, no, no, that's not what's happening. On that team, there's a man of God, and he's telling the king what you're talking about in your bedroom. And he's like, okay, who's this man of God? And um, go get him. And so he sends this massive troop, and they... Uh, you know, they've got horses and chariots, and they go to, to grab him, Elisha, the man of God. And uh, when they're going there, Elisha's in a, in a village, and he's got a, a servant, probably a disciple, or the Bible says a servant, so I'll say that. He's got a servant, and the um, servant wakes up in the morning because, because the crowds come in in the darkness. And they come in and, and go to attack or go to take Elisha, but... In the morning, the servant gets up and he looks over the wall and he sees this massive army all around them. And he's like, he's like freaking out. He's like, Elisha, what should we do? What are we going to do? And Elisha's like, it's okay. It's fine. And he's like, the servant doesn't look fine to me. With these eyes right now, it doesn't look fine at all. And um, Elisha prays. He says, look, Heavenly Father, please... Open this man's eyes so he can see what's real. So he can see with your eyes what's really going on. Not with man's eyes, but he can see with your eyes what's going on. And so he opens his eyes and he sees with God's eyes what's really going on. What's really going on is that there's way more for him than against him. There's angels and there's chariots of fire all the way up the mountain and there's like, this victory going on that, that with man's eyes you can't see at all. With man's eyes, things look dreadful. But with God's eyes, God opening his eyes, he can see the reality of what it is. And that's awesome. So as far as where are we going or, or what can we do to advance the kingdom, we, like the whole, all my suggestions are going to be, we need to be Christ-like. That's what we need. We need Jesus' eyes. We need his ears. We need to act like Jesus. And the way we do that is we do that through connecting. What, did Jesus, oh, what does Jesus do? Where's Jesus right now? Anyone? Where's Jesus right now? Right hand of the Father. So he is connected to the Father. Okay. And on, um, what did Jesus do when he was on the earth? Who did he connect with here? The disciples, yep. So we connect with the disciples, we connect with the body. And also what happened at the baptism with um, John the Baptist. The Holy Spirit descended on Jesus. So he was connected to the Holy Spirit. That's the same with us. We need to be Christ-like. We need to imitate Jesus. What is that? It's connected to the Father. It's connected to the Holy Spirit. It's connected to the body, the church. The church. 
the disciples. That's ultimately, big picture, all the suggestions I'm going to put forward from here. We need to be Christ-like. If we become Christ-like, we'll be part of advancing the kingdom. We'll advance the kingdom like we can't imagine. That's the ultimate goal. So, um, Jesus is the head. So, there's Elijah's servant. Elijah can see with Jesus' eyes. He's connected to the way Jesus sees. He's connected to how things really are, and he sees the reality of what's going around us. You know, you might say, oh, in New Zealand, it's really hard to do Christianity. It's really hard to um, advance the kingdom. You know, this culture has seen Christianity and rejected it, or we've just had our prime, and it seems like we're on a slow slope downwards. You know, if you look with man's eyes, but if you look with God's eyes, what is going on with our youth? Is there a hunger there? Is there stuff that our youth are crying out for? Uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> biggest cause of death in New Zealand for people between 15 and 24. I'll leave it there. So, there's a need here. <clears throat> do we see the need? Do we see God's eyes? Do we see what God sees? Do we see what's neat, you know? Yeah, it's... Um, do we hear what God's saying? You know, in Revelation, it was so awesome. Um... Jesus commands the church. There's seven churches. And he's like, church gives them an instruction. And at the end of the instruction, he says, if you have ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying and overcome. So that's what we need. We need ears that hear the Holy Spirit, that are connected to God. We need to hear it and do something about it, it's, we need to overcome. You know, we need to take on board, what is God saying? What's he saying? So, uh, we need to, re you know, Jesus is the head. So, we need to renew our minds. You know, I mean, my mind needs to be renewed constantly. But God says, um, or Jesus says, okay, so, the greatest commandment is this, that... Um, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and in one of the things, with all your strength. And um, and the second commandment is uh, greatest commandment is like it that you'd love your neighbour as yourself. So, loving the Lord your God with all your mind, that speaks of understanding. Do you understand? Do you know God? Do you know what God is up to? So. Renew your mind. How do you renew your mind? The Word of God. This is Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. Getting into this. Do we know what the story is? I haven't been much of a reader, but last year I did a, um, a um, Bible course, and I did 
the New Testament or introduction to the New Testament in the first half of the year and uh, introduction to, sorry, Old Testament or the First Testament in the, um, in the first half of the year and introduction to the New Testament in the second year. And look, I learned so much about my God by studying what this book says in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. Like, far out, that was awesome. If, if you don't know what's going on, if you don't know what God's plan is, if you don't know who God is, if you don't know what he's doing, it's in here. So, renew our minds. This is how we renew our minds. Get in here. Um, and if we renew our minds, if we get in here enough, yeah. You know, I want to have a passion. I want to do things. I want to have a passion about what I do. I don't want to do things that I don't want to do. <laughs> and I know that there are times that we have to do what we don't want to do. But how much do I want to have a passion about what I want to do? I mean, like, God says that he'll give us the desires of our heart. He says that he'll do that if. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Get into it. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the passion or the desires of your heart. Okay, so that's like, that's connecting to the Father. Connecting to the Father is being Christ-like. How about connecting to the Holy Spirit? Do we know? Okay, right now, the Father is on the throne, is on the throne in heaven. Um, Jesus is right beside him or in front of him or on the throne as well. We are here on earth. So, how do we connect with the Father? Now, the Holy Spirit is here with us on earth right now. And the Holy Spirit um, blesses us with gifts as the church also, you know, as that gets moved through, we create the fruit of the Spirit. But actually, we need to be baptized in the Spirit. We need to be immersed in the Spirit. We need to be completely transformed and changed by the Spirit. How do we do that? Naomi talked this morning, you know, God says, if you ask, it'll be given to you. If you knock, the door will open. If you seek, you shall find. That verse is referring to the Holy Spirit. So if we don't have the Holy Spirit, if we're not working in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, if we're not producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit, then we need to ask for the Holy Spirit. We need more of the Holy Spirit. We need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Some of us are baptized in the Holy Spirit, and still we need more, more, more. So what do we need to do? Probably need to ask more as well. Pray more. Spend more time. Put more into the Holy Spirit, that connection with the Holy Spirit. Um, and I don't know. Like, I was thinking about it theologically. I don't know. Like, okay, does it have to happen a certain way? Do I need to have Pastor Peter putting his hands on me and asking for the Holy Spirit to be baptized by the Holy Spirit? Or do I need to pray a certain way? Or do I need to... Now, the, the things that I see in the Bible is that it's done many different ways. You know, there was one guy who was not connected to the people of God. He was Cornelius. He was the first Gentile to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he's, uh, he's at, at home and he's fasting and he's praying. So he's not connected to the church. But he's home fasting and praying. He's, he's talking directly to the creator, to his creator. And through that transaction, God makes things move 
and then Peter comes to his house, and as he's preaching, the Holy Spirit descends on him. So there's that. Then there's another one where all the people were in the upper room, and they were waiting for the Holy Spirit. They were all together, united in one pursuit, pursuing God, praying, fasting, and the Holy Spirit came in a powerful, powerful way. It's, um, I mean, I don't want to... Who feels like they are doing... Who feels like they're, you know, cracking with the Holy Spirit right now? I, look, I feel... Yeah, look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I feel like... I need the Holy Spirit. So that's something we as a church probably really need if we're going to advance the kingdom. Uh, we've got great programs and all that stuff, but we actually probably need the Holy Spirit <laughs> if we're really going to connect and really going to move forward the kingdom. And then, um, so yeah, praying, praying and fasting. It's obviously a good technique in there. Why? Why is praying and fasting good? Well, fasting. Uh, so the kingdom of God is a kingdom of peace. And, uh, and it's the kingdom of the spirit. The, the kingdom of darkness, we say, is fleshly. So it's more connected to this. So when we starve this, what happens? The spirit gets a bigger chance. So when we're praying, when we're saying, hey, I'm connecting with God, Father, or I'm connecting, then if we like give this a little less attention and this a bit more, the spiritual side, a bit more attention, then that can be effective. So that's a tool. Praying and fasting. And then, um, oh, I, I was, I've been reading the Bible and uh, just over the holiday, and I felt like this was really good for me. I also thought that maybe this would be helpful for some people. Is when we pray, do we remember what God has told us? So, so are we praying and praying and praying, and have we already got the answer? Have we already been told? Uh, and, and then we've left that answer or told over there, and we've forgotten it? When Abraham was first called, it's, it said um, God called Abraham out of his country, out of his father's house, and he said, come to this land, um, or leave your father's house, I'll show you this land, I'll make a great nation of you, um, I'll bless you, people will be blessed through you. And, uh, and Abraham's like, okay, he was faithful, he, he listened to what God said. And then when he got to the land, God said, hey, this is the place that I'm going to give you. And Abraham instantly made an altar and what to me the thing that spoke is like there's a, a whacking big great altar here every time I go past this place I'm going to remember why that altar's there like, I'm not going to forget that promise he's not going to in, in a year's time think about oh you know just going through life doing your thing you know how easy is it to forget that promise that was given to you a year ago? How easy is it to forget that promise that was given to you a decade ago? How easy is it to forget that promise that was given to you 30 years ago? Um, so if you've got this 
thing. I was asking, I, I, I was asking Hope, what do you think a, uh, an altar is? And she said, it's a thing. And I was like, that's exactly what it is. It's a thing. Okay, do we need a thing to remember what God's promise was? Will that be a helpful tool? For some people, that's journaling. Some people, that's speaking it out. But whatever it is, we, we probably need to remember what our promise is. And when I got that message the other day, I was like, oh, that's right. I remember what you said. Oh, here I was trying to chase this new thing, trying to create this new thing. But actually, all I had to do was remember what he's already promised. And the other thing with Abraham is, so he promised him that. What happens? Abraham's 75, I think, when he promises that-ish. And uh, when Abraham's 100, he has um, his son that goes into that promise. So that's 25 years. But actually, Abraham dies without the fulfillment of the promise promise. So God may give you a promise, and you may get that promise in stages. And more than likely, if it's God's promise, it's probably for eternity. It's probably for the kingdom. It's probably just going to keep on going once we're gone as well. So just walk in that promise. Um, and then, this is the part that I really don't like. The kingdom, the cost of the kingdom. <laughs> okay, so like, there's a cost to being in this kingdom. And uh, so we're disciples, we're followers of Jesus. What did, Je what did it cost Jesus? His life, yeah. It's meant to... We, and we're meant to follow him. <laughs> so we're meant to be like him. So it's, got a, it's, it's meant to cost us our lives as well. Now, that's uncomfortable. I'd much rather be surfing. <laughs> um, but, what's that? There's sharks there too, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it cost us our life. So laying down our, our life. I mean, that was the other thing. When Abraham made that altar, what is an altar? It's a thing for sacrifice. That was the first thing he did. He got the, call, he got, he got the confirmation and he makes an altar. What does Jesus say? Pick up your cross. What is a cross? It's an altar. It's a sacrificial tool. Well, that's the way it happened for Jesus. The altar. Jesus' altar was the cross. He offered himself on that altar. So pick up your cross. It really is uncomfortable. But it's only through dying. That's what this tells us. And it's what I've experienced as well. All the things that I really, really enjoy in life are for, have been hard work. have been a bit of suffering, a bit of... The things that were really given to me easily, it, I don't value them as much. Those are things that I really worked hard for and I sweated for and I labored for. Uh, Naomi tells me about when she was a kid, she bought herself an organ. But uh, I think she saved her pocket money for a couple years. I mean, that was laborsome and laborsome. And then what was the fruit out of it? It was like, how much value did she get? How much more did she respect that thing that she, she put so much into than, hey, it's your birthday present. I mean, that's great, eh? Birthday present's awesome. But um, when, you've put the, when you've put the sweat in, when you've put something in, and you've, you've put sacrifice in, and you've, and you've died to something, it just makes the thing that you've done that for so much more valuable. And now, is there anything more valuable in the world than God's 
church than God's body. Well, we were made in God's image. And um, that's pretty awesome. All of us, all humans, with or without connected to God, are made in God's image. But to go a step further, how precious is the Son of God? So if the Son of God is like the most precious thing and we are that body, if we take that on, then we become even more precious. And yeah, I'll stop on that one. I'm kind of talking in circles. Um, And then last thing, we need to connect to the church. So connecting to the church, I mean, we need to connect to Christ's body. The way Jesus did that, the way he connected was through discipleship. And we do a fair bit of connecting in, in, uh, in church in the world these days uh, through preaching. Preaching, what, let's say it's two hours a week. Um, say, say we're really good. Say we're going to a church that goes on for ages. It's six hours a week, you know. Okay, so if we did six hours a week, the amount of time that we spent in that discipleship mode... Um, if you compared that to the amount of time that Jesus spent with his disciples just in two to three years, it would take you 42 years to get that discipleship. So 42 years is it's not a lifetime, but it's, it's, it's a good chunk of it. Just So this thing is not the way that we strengthen the body. This is a really good tool, and it really helps us to all come together. But actually, discipleship is one-to-one, a person one-to-one. Jesus spent one-on-one time with his disciples, or one-to-twelve, you know, like close relationship. And he spent two to three years. Look, I want to do miracles. I want the Holy Spirit to work through me with miracles, like what happened in the first church. Those guys spent three years with Jesus, for me to get that much time with Peter, who isn't Jesus, but is anointed, um, it's going to take me more than 42 years of sitting in the pews. That's six hours a week, whereas normally I probably only do two hours. So it's like discipleship is how the body is built up. We need one-on-one connection. Now, discipleship doesn't just happen. Discipleship is another one of those things where it's intentional. It's intentional on two parts. So there are people in this church right now that are of a certain wisdom that they could be discipling. And there are people in this church, well, all of us could be discipled. So you match the people that need discipling with the people that have the ability to disciple, and boom. All you need to do is know a little bit more. It'd be great if you knew a lot more. But if you know a bit more about what Jesus, or if you've learned something from Jesus, if you've been discipled from Jesus, and if you learned something, and someone else doesn't have that, you can pass that on. You can disciple them. So it, it takes intentionality. So that's that's... That's my push for the uh, for the older people or for the more wiser in the in the church. You guys, disciple us. <laughs> you know, come. Let's be close. 
Um, if that means doing it after church right now, that's great. If it means, oh, actually, hey, I, uh, I'm going to go do something on a Thursday night. Or, hey, come around, for, come around for lunch after church. And we can have some connection, some discipleship, some, some passing on of what we've learned from God. That would be great. Now, on that whole kind of um, where are we going, how can we advance the kingdom, I've said that it's, it's, it needs to be intentional and it actually needs to be a little bit of a commitment as well, which is another one of those horrible words. We need to make a commitment. And I'm not going to push it down your throat, but I just want you to be aware it takes a commitment. So that's discipling someone, that's being discipled in the church. How much energy we're going to put into that. Now there's a whole lot of things available at this church already. You know, well done. Well done, David. You've done 10 years of church at 10 a.m. So I've made that commitment. That was great. I've done a couple other commitments here and there, and, um, and I've really, it's really helped disciple me. And also, in the serve category, I've spent a little bit of commitment in there as well, so I'm helping disciple others. And I haven't actually done a huge amount through this church on um, going into the community, but through other, through other um, avenues I have. So, so, but there's more, isn't there? I mean, that, that's our picture today. That's our picture last week, last year. What's our picture going to be in the next year, what's our picture in the year after? I, I, I don't know the answer, but I'm sure that if we hear it from the Holy Spirit, if we see what God's up to, if we see with Jesus' eyes, if we look around and we actually get connected to what he wants the church to be doing, then it'll be happening. 